Today, I'm going to continue my discussion on facts that have been eliminated from history. During the last episode, I highlighted events that brought us to the late 1700s. As we move into the 1840s, the Illuminati conspiracy produced a very important front called the Carbonari. This began in Europe under the leadership of Giuseppe Mazzini. The main goal at the time was the unification of Europe into what today has become the European Union. Centralizing Europe was a major victory with the end goal being a one-world government. This was also the goal of the Communists, as outlined in the Communist Manifesto. When researching much of history, you begin to connect the dots and see how many things intertwine. For instance, while the membership of the Carbonari and Communist leadership were separate, their roots all led back to the Illuminati with their overall goal being a one-world government. The Carbonari, like other secret societies, morphed into different entities. The Young Movement was a direct offshoot from the Carbonari and played a major role in the early 1800s. Their overall goal was to transition independent sovereign states into a centralized union, much like what happened with the European Union. In the United States, the Carbonari had its own branch called Young America. The slogan of Young America was Manifest Destiny. Many thought that it meant America's destiny was to build the United States across the continent from ocean to ocean. The actual meaning was to use the United States as the instrument to conquer the world to build the new world order. They envisioned using the American armies to acquire the Western Hemisphere, then Europe, and beyond. This seems rather ambitious, looking at the policies back then. However, Considering America's entangling alliances over the past two centuries, the overall agenda seems to be inching its way forward. Now, this information is difficult to encapsulate in one segment. I highly recommend getting my book to find out for yourself the details of the interactions between the Carbonari leaders and the Young America leaders. Today, I will highlight two of those individuals you will not hear about in history class. The first is George Nicholas Sanders. He is one of many who had considerable influence within the Democrat Party, but his loyalty always remained with the Carbonari. I discuss Sanders extensively throughout my book, but let me give you just an idea of the kind of man he was. Let's begin with his connection to revolutionaries. During the French Revolution of 1848, he fought alongside the communists in the Paris barricades. It was because of his connection with the revolutionaries that he was later able to arrange a dinner at the future President James Buchanan's residence in London, who was the U.S. ambassador to Great Britain at the time. Those in attendance were communist and illuminist radical leaders such as Mazzini. There, Sanders called for the assassination of Napoleon III and would work behind the scenes in Canada with the Confederate commissioners during the Civil War. You see, Napoleon III was a Carbonari member. He used them so he could come to power in France and then shunned them to rule on his own. The Carbonari resented him for it, but failed in their attempt to kill him. By the early 1850s, Sanders became a leader of Young America, the progressive faction of the Democrat Party. He was also editor for the Democratic Review. This newspaper acted as the mouthpiece for the Young America movement within the Democrat Party. 
1853, President Franklin Pierce appointed Sanders for Consul General to London. However, because of Sanders' harsh criticism of political opponents and close friendship with the European revolutionaries, the Senate failed to confirm his appointment. During the Civil War, Sanders became a Confederate agent. Just like he was behind the scenes in the Napoleon assassination attempt, the same can be said for the Lincoln assassination. Sanders was just as vocal about the desire to see Lincoln assassinated as he was for Napoleon. In May of 1865, President Johnson issued a $25,000 reward for Sanders' arrest in connection with Abraham Lincoln's assassination. It is no surprise, however, that the charges against him were conveniently dropped. These are just a few examples of the influence Sanders had. Many more examples are in my book. The next individual I would like to highlight is Colonel Edward Mandel House. Many do not realize that he was one of the most influential conspirators of the 20th century in support of a world government. During his early years, he was very prominent in Texas politics. This is where he got his honorary title of colonel. Many would assume he received this title for serving in the military, but instead it was for getting Texas Governor James S. Hogg reelected. Following that victory, he moved to New York, where he began to network with influential individuals. Over time, he would become known for his ability to win over people and influence their thinking. As House became a better political manipulator behind the scenes, he would acquire a wide circle of acquaintances. One in particular was Woodrow Wilson. When House met Governor Woodrow Wilson in 1911, he immediately saw Wilson's potential, and he knew he was the ticket to the White House. From that moment on, House wasted no time in promoting him for the Democrat Party nomination for president. House played an important role in the campaign. Prior to Wilson taking office as president, House completed a book called Philip Drew Administrator and published it anonymously. For those of you unfamiliar with Philip Drew Administrator, it was based on the idea of a man who creates a civil war against the establishment, becomes dictator of America, and institutes a number of reforms which mirrored the platform of the Progressive Party, in other words, socialism. Undoubtedly, This book gives more insight about House than anything else. On the title page, he actually quotes the Carbonari leader Giuseppe Mazzini. This is just one of the many examples of how House displayed his socialist one-world tendencies during his career and the connection with the Illuminist organization. Publishing this book anonymously allowed House to pave the way for Wilson's election. Once in office, House literally became Wilson's alter ego. House was often seen publicly with Wilson, but rarely identified to the audiences. He was just there. World War I broke out about a year into Wilson's presidency. Because of the war, House had President Wilson send him to England. He was to act as Wilson's personal representative. This is where the international influence of House began to take shape. House worked with the English and constantly promoted America's entry into the war. By 1917, the U.S. joined its allies, Britain, France, and Russia, to fight in World War I. Several months following America's involvement, Wilson asked House to build a group of men that would be called the Inquiry, 
to influence the negotiations for an end of the war. These negotiations would become known as the Paris Peace Talks. As the Paris Peace Talks progressed, House and Wilson had a falling out because they did not agree on some of the provisions of the treaty. From that moment on, the two parted ways, and House went on to be a behind-the-scenes advisor, but was never a public man in any sense. You could say that House became the prototype of the modern deep state man, and he was definitely not alone. House and Sanders were just two of the key players in the conspiracy to bring about a new world order. If you take the time to research them, you will find that their roots go back to the Illuminati. The same can be said for many others who had a profound effect on the history of America. This information needs to be taught in the classrooms. The reason America has been able to weather the storm of infiltrators is due to the layers of strength in the American people. By that, we mean the knowledge of the fundamentals of liberty based on God's laws. These fundamentals that were once America's cornerstone are being taught less and less, if at all. For instance, the Ten Commandments have been removed from schools. They don't only represent how we should behave as individuals, but as a government. The Bill of Rights, if you study them closely, contains much of the Ten Commandments in them. After all, A government can't kill, steal, bear false witness, or covet any more than an individual can. Basic fundamentals are being lost. Besides fighting issues you deem important, I encourage you to learn and then teach others about American exceptionalism, the Constitution in its original intent, the Declaration of Independence, etc. The battle to create understanding is never-ending. As a society, we need to continue educating people that what is right is what we should be doing. Then organize people to stand up and fight those trying to destroy America. This can be accomplished best by organizing chapters of the John Birch Society.